Good morning, everybody. Happy to be up here with you guys again. Um, love it every time I get an opportunity to uh, share the word with you. Uh, this has been, I've been a bit anxious or nervous for this particular message. Um, Scott gave me the opportunity, said, you know, preach on whatever you want, which is always a blessing and, and dangerous at the same time. But uh, I've been a little nervous, a little anxious because I've been convicted the whole time I was preparing this. As you're working through a message, God just kept convicting me every step of the way. And so um, I'm excited to see what he's got for it. I'm excited to see what he's got for everybody coming out of this. Um, but I have five pages of sermon. I have no idea where we're going. So I think we should open up with prayer and just let God lead us. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you for a beautiful day, uh, you know, seeing this weather change and, and just seeing our, our world come alive around us and uh, seeing your presence in everything is such a blessing, Lord. Father, I pray for the message we have today. Um, it's, I want this to be nowhere that I or anybody else are leading, Lord. Just take us in whatever direction you will. Uh, let your will lead us, Lord. We invite your presence here. Um, let us feel that presence, the burden of your presence in our lives right now, Lord. Um, we welcome you here. In your name we pray. Amen. So we've been, uh, if you've been with us the last few weeks, months, we've been going through a series in Romans. Um, Scott's been, been walking us through that. And we're going to step out of it today a little bit. And we're going to go into Proverbs, the first chapter of Proverbs. But before we do that, I want to make a tie back to where we left off. Today we're going to be in Proverbs talking about wisdom. And last week we were in Romans 11. And Scott was doing a message on going from theology to doxology. And it was this idea of um, the more we know about Jesus and learn about Jesus leads us to the worship of him and who he is. And we were in the end of chapter 11. And in verse 33, it said, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his past beyond tracing out. The depth and riches of wisdom and knowledge of God. So God, he is great. He's amazing. His wisdom and knowledge, unsearchable, beyond tracing out. But the question I'd ask for you today, the question we're going to continually ask today is, while he has infinite wisdom and knowledge, if he were to share that with you, if God were to share his knowledge with you for your life, if you could partake in his wisdom what would you do? If God shared his wisdom and knowledge with you, how would you respond? That's what we're going to look at today. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 1, but before we get there, um, I want to ask you guys a question. Who is the smartest person you know? Think about it. When you think about smart people that you've encountered in your lives, who is the most intelligent people or persons you know? Humility's running deep because Stark's over there pointing at himself. It's good. This is, right? No, who is it? So people that you know, your family members, your friends, coworkers, who's that really intelligent person that just seems to know all the tough stuff? Maybe you went to school with them. Maybe it was a professor. Picture those people in your mind or that one person. Who's the really intelligent people you know? And if you've got pictures, faces, names, now ask yourself, are they also the wisest people you know? Those people who are really intelligent, really smart, are they also really wise? 
You know, we use wisdom and intelligence in the same context a lot, but they're really quite different. They really are. Uh, intelligence is all about knowledge. So when we think intelligence, intelligence is all about how much you know. It's what you know. Not just what you know, but how much of it. It's how, what's your capacity for knowing and learning, right? Knowledge is all about truth. So intelligence is how much truth do you know? And we look at people who have a high level of intelligence as they know a lot of stuff or they, they have the ability to learn and know a lot of stuff. And I love intelligence. Um, I, I, you know, I am a bit obsessed with it myself and knowledge. I'm always reading stuff, always picking up books, always studying something. I love it, right? I kind of get really head deep in it. But I was looking, taking a broad look at intelligence now that I've got a daughter in school. And I think as a society, we may be a bit obsessed with intelligence. Knowledge is a great thing. We want to be obsessed with knowledge and knowing as much truth as we can. But this idea of intelligence and how much do we know, that's, I think we're a bit obsessed. I was looking at my daughter. She's in kindergarten now. And it's all about intelligence. She's tested at the beginning and given a score of how much she knows. She's tested midway through and given a score of how much she knows. She's tested at the end and given a score of how much she knows. The schools are all about ratings and tests and scores. If you look at our colleges and kids graduating high school, a bachelor's degree, which just a few years ago was everything you sought for and everything employers were looking for, is just the beginning. Right now, I do a lot of hiring in my company. We are looking for people that have advanced degrees. And getting advanced degrees is becoming commonplace. People coming out with a master's or doctorate or multiple degrees. And you can get it all kinds of ways. You can get it online. You can go uh, to an actual university. It's available everywhere. We are really, really, really obsessed with intelligence. How much, do we, how much knowledge do we have? How much can we get in you? And how fast can we get it there? What's your capacity? But you have to sit back and wonder, and I was look, doing this with my daughter a little bit. We have all this knowledge that's gained up, all this truth, all these things she knows, but have we focused so much on intelligence and how much we know that we've lost the idea of how to apply it? Are we focusing so much on what we've got and how much knowledge we can gain that we don't know how to use it? I encountered this one uh, pretty, pretty uh, early on in my life. I was actually uh, in college, and I'm an engineer. I was in college. I was in one of my advanced mathematics courses, and I had this Russian professor, um, really, really intelligent guy, really smart guy, and he was explaining to our class one of these theories. And we've got a whole class full of engineers and mathematicians, and we're sitting there, and, and we just weren't getting it. And he was getting frustrated, and he's walking us through this, and we just, he was bringing people to the board, and nobody was getting it. We weren't grasping the concept. And he stopped, and, and he got frustrated, and then he kind of laughed, and he said, you know what, we're just going to go buy this one. He goes, in fact, half the stuff you're learning in your degree, you're never going to use anyways. <laughs> I was like... Okay, so why are we learning it? And then the other part is, well, why am I paying you for something I'm never going to use, right? Half the stuff we were learning, we're never going to use. You know, God loves intelligent people. He does. God loves intelligent people. God is the source of truth and knowledge, and so he wants us to to be intelligent, to have a high capacity to learn what he's revealed. In fact, God talks about intelligent or intelligent people nine different times in Scripture. 
There's nine different places in Scripture you can find God talking about intelligence or intelligent people. God loves intelligent people. He created us this way. He also talks about wisdom. You can find God talking about wisdom over 400 times in Scripture. It just goes to show you that God created us to be intelligent people. He created us as people who can learn the truths he's revealed, but he's, in, he's really concerned with what we do with it. God wants to know what we do with his wisdom. And that's where we're going to go today. We're going to go and look at intelligence and wisdom. We're going to focus on wisdom. If intelligence is the capacity to learn and how much we learn, wisdom is just how we apply what we know. What do you do with what you know? And so I'll ask you again before we go, if God gave you some of his knowledge and wisdom, what would you do with it? If you want to turn today, we're going to go to Proverbs, the first chapter of Proverbs, and we're going to look at uh, starting in verse 20. In verse 20, it says, Wisdom calls aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the public squares. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. In the gateways of the city, she makes her speech. How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? If you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. But since you rejected me when I called and gave no heed when I stretched out my hand, since you ignored all my advice and would not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh at your disaster. I'll mock when calamity overtakes you, when it overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind and distress and trouble overwhelm you. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me, since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke. They will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. I love biblical imagery. I'm not a very creative person myself, but I love when God gives us pictures. And this picture, this illustration that's painted here, I don't know if, what you have in your mind when you're reading through this, but I see this city. I see this city, and, and truth is there in person. Truth and wisdom is there, and it's in person in every area of the city. And wisdom is shouting out to the people the truth of God. Wisdom is shouting out what they should be doing, how they should be acting, how they should be responding to God. That's the picture I get from the walls, from the square, from the gates, in the streets, shouting at the people. But as I read through this, we don't see the people responding. They're just walking by. People aren't responding to wisdom that's being shouted directly at them. And the struggle I had walking through this is why? How can wisdom be shouting at people in the streets, shouting from every corner of the city, People who are there and live there at the gates when people are passing through, and yet they're not responding to wisdom. It's something that I've struggled with and have been challenged with, and I think we have as a church, because we see the same thing in our church. Excuse me, in our church. We see the same thing happening. We are shouting wisdom and preaching the truth and God's knowledge in this church. Every Sunday, wisdom is shouted from this stage up here. We're bringing wisdom, the knowledge of God and the truth. We have, if you come to this church any night of the week, practically any night of the week, 
you're going to find a place where you can gain knowledge of God. You're going to hear wisdom preached in this church, in Bible studies, in classes, uh, small groups. We have community groups here. You can get, get involved in a community group where you'll hear truth, knowledge, and wisdom and how to apply it. We're out in our communities. We have specific events, right? You guys have heard Botter. We are reaching into the community. It's incredible some of the things Beth's doing with that. Um, reaching into the community. We're going up to Cleveland for Envision. We've got missionaries across seas. We were just praying for some of them. We're reaching out in our communities locally and globally, preaching and shouting wisdom. And as a church, as leadership, we sit here and we struggle a little bit with if we are shouting wisdom and truth that God gives us to everybody, why aren't we seeing the response that we should see? If we're shouting wisdom into our communities and letting people know that they need Jesus Christ, why aren't we seeing a continual increase in Sunday morning attendance? Why aren't people responding and coming to hear more about Jesus? If we're shouting about wisdom, about prayer and the needs for prayer and healing and the Holy Spirit, we've had the Holy Spirit weekend here. Why is it that when we make time at the end of service for people to get prayer, the front of this church stays mostly empty? Why is it when we shout wisdom and knowledge about the, what God wants you to do as far as this church and ministries that it's so hard to get people to volunteer? Why is it that when we shout wisdom about God wanting to use you in your life for other people through baptism that we have so many believers that are nervous and afraid to get up and be baptized? And why is it if we're shouting in all of these places, outside, inside, in classes, in groups, about Jesus Christ, who he is, and why you need him in your life, that we don't see more adults coming to know the Lord. Our church is no different from this city where wisdom's being preached. Our church is no different from it. It's a struggle. It's a struggle to see wisdom in action. And Proverbs as we walk through this passage, it doesn't just leave this problem there. It shows us why it's a struggle. Why it's a struggle to see people respond to wisdom. And it gives us two big reasons. The first one comes to us in verse 24 here. It says, But since you rejected me when I called, and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand. No one gave heed. One of the big reasons we don't see response and we don't see wisdom in action is because we're just not paying attention. We're not paying attention to the wisdom that's being shouted at us. We are, have such busy lives. We have so much going on, so much packed in. We are so scheduled that we've just ignored everything else that's going on. My wife, she, she, I am so thankful for my wife because I would miss everything I've got to do if she didn't maintain my schedule. Um, but I, I look, opened the other day my calendar that she keeps with us, and like for the next three months, I don't, we have no openings. We're booked. I mean, just, just stacked through with things we're doing. It's the same thing at work, and I'm sure it's the same thing with a lot of you guys. It, you have so much going on, you have to be so rigid and so scheduled and so structured that there's really no time for anything else. And I don't know about you guys. But with me and my busy schedule, here's what happens a lot of times. I'm busy, I'm structured, I'm scheduled, I know what I have to do. And so when I'm in that mode, I silence my phone. I turn my phone off, I let all the calls go to voicemail, 
If I'm in the office, I let all my emails go to a different folder. I'll address it later when I've got more time, right? I'm wondering if we're so busy that we may have put God on silent. Have we been so busy in our life that we just, we, we can't handle being asked to do another thing. We can't handle being asked to change something or move anything around anymore. It's just too much in our lives with what's going on. And so we've put everything else that might ask us to do something different on silent. Have you put God on silent? Have you not responded to wisdom because you just don't hear it crying out? The second reason I think that we see this addressed here is in that same verse. It may not be that we're not listening or paying attention. Maybe we are. And maybe we do hear wisdom calling, but the reason we don't respond is because we just don't want to hear it. Maybe you do hear wisdom calling. Maybe you do hear God leading in your life. Maybe you have heard wisdom from the stage here, from your community group, or maybe you've gotten requests to go help or do a mission, but you just don't want to hear it. I think a lot of that is, is culturally um, driven. We are in this culture right now where we don't want to hear wisdom because don't tell me what to do. We don't want to hear wisdom because we don't want somebody to tell us how to lead our lives. In fact, if I want wisdom, I'll come ask. If I want to know how to do something or apply my knowledge, I'll come ask you. It's this idea that I can create my own wisdom. I'll figure out how I want to do things. Inside the church, I think we see that cultural influence, but it might be some other things. Maybe we hear wisdom calling, but we don't want to hear it. We don't want to respond because I don't know what that's going to mean for me. I don't want to respond to wisdom because maybe I'm nervous or embarrassed or ashamed that if I respond to God, people are going to find out who I really am. Or maybe I'm nervous because if God really is at telling me in his wisdom to get up and ask for prayer, people are going to see that I need something. Maybe if, if I respond to wisdom, I'm going to have to get up and, and speak in front of people and give my testimony, and that makes me really nervous. Or maybe God's asking me to speak to my neighbor or family member, and, and that might damage my relationship there. So I just don't want to hear the wisdom. I don't want to change. Maybe we don't want to hear wisdom. And I'm a, I, this, this is one of the convicting things for me this, this past week is maybe I don't want to hear wisdom at times because I like my church and my Christian life and my faith the way it is. I like the way it is right now. I come to church on Sunday mornings, I'm involved in classes, and I feel like I'm kind of doing enough, and I'm kind of doing what God wants me to do, and I don't really want him to change it because I'm already satisfied and happy with where I'm at. It's kind of this, I'll take the parts of my faith I want, right? It's a choose-your-own-adventure Christianity. So maybe we just don't want to hear it. And so we avoid wisdom. I, uh, I get... I teach here at the church, and I've been blessed to be part of the leadership here, and, and I share my faith outside of, out of these walls a lot, and so I get asked a lot of questions, and I get asked a lot of hard questions, and whenever I'm talking to people about my faith, for a long time, I've kind of not grasped this concept of people not want to hear it. 
I've always thought that there's like a deficit. Like people inside the church when they have needs, people outside the church when they haven't come to know Christ, there's a deficit. They're just missing something. Like they haven't heard the truth preached. They haven't seen Jesus move. They haven't witnessed the power of prayer. And so I've, for a long time, it was this action, like I could go take action. And if I just brought them the truth, that then they'd realize it and they would turn to Jesus. Or if I just showed them wisdom in action, right, then, then they would respond. If they could see it or feel it or hold it, it'd be good. And so I get asked a lot of questions a lot, and that's usually how I answered it. I would I just try to give them what they needed. One of the big questions I've always been asked and constantly, I was asked two weeks ago again, was, where's the proof, right? This was somebody outside the church, doesn't know Jesus, and they, I, we were, I was talking about my faith, and they said, yeah, where's the proof? Like, I can't believe in Jesus. I can't put my life in his hands until I see the evidence, until I can touch it and feel it and hold it. And then, then when I have that knowledge, that truth right there, then, then I'll believe in Jesus. And so I I used to try to answer that philosophically and theologically and scientifically, and it was a whole lot of fun because I felt like I could just give them that evidence and it would change their mind. But I've realized over the years that I really just need to ask one question in response before I go any further. Rather than trying to give them evidence and truth of Jesus, I just ask them, what would you do if you had it? So, what would you do if you could hold the knowledge of Jesus Christ and who he is in your hands? If you had that truth, you could see it and touch it and it was there, what would you do? And sadly, even two weeks ago, the response more often than not is, probably nothing. Probably nothing. I probably wouldn't change. I probably wouldn't do anything different, I guess. It's a response I got a couple weeks ago. And it made me, it's made me come to realize that it's not so much that we don't have truth, knowledge, and the evidence of Jesus Christ. He's not made it hidden. He's not made it so complex that we can't understand it. The knowledge of Jesus Christ and what he wants to do in our lives for everybody is out there. It's out there for all of us. I think more commonly the problem is we just don't want to hear it. We just don't want to hear it. And it's outside the church, it's inside the church. We have the proof and evidence thing. It's been in my life, I've, we've talked to people, it's there. It, you know, when we talk things, about things like the Holy Spirit and healing and the power of prayer, it makes people nervous and maybe they don't wanna hear it because I haven't seen that. Maybe if I see it happen in my life, then I'll act on it. Or maybe if I see healing or feel healing, that power, then I'll act on it. We want the evidence. We want the proof. We want knowledge. We all want more knowledge, but are we wise in how we respond? Charles Spurgeon, famous pastor, once said this about wisdom. He said, wisdom is the right use of knowledge, but to know is not to be wise. He said, many men know a great deal, but are all the greater fools for it. In fact, there's no fool that's such a great fool as a knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. To know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. To know how to use that truth that you can hold, touch, see, feel is to have wisdom. We need to hear wisdom that's being shouted at us. 
We need to continue to preach wisdom and truth and knowledge. But it's not enough to just hear it. It's not enough to just hear God calling. It's not enough to just hear God preaching wisdom into your life. Knowledge, sorry, wisdom demands a response. I don't know if you ever heard thought about that before, but when you hear something, it demands a response. I liken this to our prayer lives. When we pray, do we pray just so God gets knowledge of our situation? Do we pray just because we want God to know something because maybe he doesn't know it yet? No, right? In fact, um, I grew up in the Catholic Church. Many of you grew up in different churches that have this, this same thing. Um, it, there's a prayers given during the service, and a response is, Lord, hear our prayer. And then another prayer, and Lord, hear our prayer. And then another prayer, and Lord, hear our prayer. When we pray, we don't pray just so God gets a greater knowledge of our situation and what we need and what's going on. We pray because we believe in his infinite knowledge and wisdom. He's going to act. We pray because we know that God is, I'll even go as far to say, we expect that when God hears our prayers, he's going to respond. And if that's our expectation for God, why would it not be the same for us? That when God speaks wisdom into our lives and we hear from God that he would expect us to respond. When God's speaking, he expects us to respond. And here's the great thing. When we do, when you respond to God, he pours out so many blessings in your life. When you respond to God, you gain more wisdom. When you respond and act in wisdom, you gain so much more wisdom. God pours out his love in incredible ways. We, we met with and talked with Beth uh, Falkenberg here, our children's uh, director, earlier today. And she just made one comment. She said, you know, I, I took some time that I didn't have the other day, and I was listening to God. And, and he spoke to me and told me to do something. He goes, she goes, and I did it, and it was incredible. And she walked through the response of what happened after she followed and acted on the wisdom God gave her. God is speaking into your life because he has a reason and a meaning and a purpose for that wisdom, and he wants you to act on it. There's great things that happen when we act in wisdom. There's also things that happen when we don't. When you don't respond to wisdom, there's consequences. We've read a lot of these consequences here in Proverbs chapter 1. Uh, verse 27 tells us that when we don't respond to wisdom, calamity will overtake us like a storm. Disaster will, will sweep over us. Bad things happen when we don't respond to God. And all of this is kind of summarized. And I, I was reading through this, and I read through this, this chapter several times, and every time I was stopped in my tracks. I mean, just... just just done and had to put things down and, and <laughs> literally stopped when I hit verse 32. Because this, starting in 20, it walks through wisdom and what wisdom's doing and shouting, and then it goes on to calamity that's going to hit when we don't respond. And then verse 32 hits, and it summarizes, and it says, For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. These are serious things. The wayward, let's take each one of them. The first is the waywardness of fools. 
Waywardness is a concept that's not talked about a lot in Scripture, but when it is, it's huge. It's impactful. It's very serious. The Hebrew for waywardness talks about this idea of backsliding, apostasy, turning away, faithlessness. Waywardness, the people who are wayward are the people who have heard the wisdom of God. They've heard knowledge. They've heard truth, but they have actively turned away from it. There are those of us that have heard God's wisdom in our life, heard his truth that we should do something. This is true. This is the way. And yet we've said, no, God, it's not. We've turned away from that, actively done it. Waywardness is very serious. It's people that have looked at God's truth of good and evil and said, no, I'm actually going to paint a picture of good and evil that fits with my desires and who I am. People who mock truth with absurdity. And the logic, it stopped me in the tr- my tracks because the logic of this statement here is just, it was deafening. The waywardness of the simple will kill them. When we reject the truth that God's speaking to our lives, when we reject wisdom, it only leads to one thing, death. But the truth is, all of Scripture tells us that when we respond to wisdom and hear God's truth, when we listen to his call and respond, it leads to hope and it leads to life. There's consequences to responding to wisdom. The second category there after waywardness was complacency. This is the one that had me really, really working on this this message hard. This one was really convicting me because if waywardness is actively denying wisdom, complacency is just ignoring it completely. Complacency is ignoring God's wisdom completely. It's getting, complacency is defined as this idea of being self Uh, comforted. It's being self-satisfied. It's being so comfortable in our lives and what we're doing that we're oblivious to what's happening around us or the dangers that might happen. That's what complacency is. Complacency is when we sit idly by in our lives as they are and ignore God's wisdom that's coming at us. And it says, that, and we, the thing that got me is we feel so comfortable and, and we may even feel like we're so connected to God and yet if we're being complacent and not responding, even the best of us would be destroyed. Complacency is a danger in the church today. It's always been a danger. Complacency, I think, is bred even more by our culture and what's going on. Complacency is the unwillingness to change even when that change is being driven by God. It's being happy with your circumstances and just waiting. The only time you're going to change is if something gets bad and you need God's help. We should all guard against complacency. This is one of those messages that's probably not easy to hear. I was convicted just putting it together. My wife read this and told me I needed to throw some more cotton balls in there and soften it up. (laughs) But the truth is, we believe God is active today as he is ever. We believe God is speaking wisdom into all of our lives as much today as he ever did. And we believe that we should respond. We believe that God wants us to respond in wisdom. And so I'll ask you again, what would you do if God was speaking wisdom into your life? Would you respond? 
Have you heard wisdom calling? Have you been in a service, maybe even this morning in worship, where you felt the burden of God in your life? You felt that burden of God that says, I need to do something. That burden that says, I need prayer. I can't deal with this anymore. That burden that says, I need to go talk to that person about Jesus. Have you felt that burden in your life? We have, uh, we've made some time towards the end of this service where we're going to bring the worship team back in. We're going to go through some songs here in a minute, and uh, we're going to give you guys some time to respond. We've got more than enough time. Because whether you have the schedule or not, we've, we've, you've probably already allotted for this one, so we're going to give you plenty of time to respond. But I wanted to hit a few other things while the team's getting up here. This idea of responding to wisdom and why we don't. We talked a lot about why we don't respond to wisdom. Because we either don't want to hear it or we're just not listening. If you've heard wisdom in your life and you haven't responded, why is that? Is it because you're worried about what other people are going to think? Is it because you're afraid that maybe that healing that you need, God's not going to give to you? Is it because it's too much of a risk to stick yourself out there and tell somebody else that you believe about Jesus? Is it too risky? Are you too afraid that you'll hurt the relationship with somebody else if you try to talk to them about Jesus because they don't know you as a Christian? Is it too risky? Is it, are you too afraid to let your life down for Christ because you don't know what that change is going to be? All through this chapter, it talks about the risk and the dangers of not responding to wisdom. But let me finish it. In, uh, so, verse 32 says, The waywardness of the simple will kill them. The complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease. what happens when you get convicted for weeks. <laughs> Without fear from harm. And here's what hit me. This is why I've been so messed up for weeks. We think so often that the biggest fear and the biggest danger and the biggest risk is what everybody else is going to think. When in fact, the safest place we can be is with Jesus. The safest, least risky place you can be in your life is responding to what he wants. No matter what everybody else thinks. It's not risky to respond to Jesus. It's risky not to. We need to respond. It's time to respond. If you've heard God calling in your life, if you've heard the burden, if you've felt like God is pulling you out of your seat and you need prayer, if you haven't come down to the front of the church to talk to somebody about what's going on in your life, if you need healing and held it back, if you've wanted to accept Jesus and you haven't, it's time to respond. If you've put off baptism 
it's time to respond. If you've been putting off volunteering and helping in a class, it's time to respond. And maybe, just maybe, that person that God's been leading you to talk to has been barely hanging on and they just need a message of hope. And you've got that. Maybe, just maybe, your baptism isn't all about you. Maybe God wants to use it to encourage the body of Christ and other people who need you. Maybe that healing that you've needed for so long is just a few steps away. And maybe, just maybe, if you listen to wisdom and lay your life down for Jesus Christ, it'll be the wisest thing you ever do. It's time to respond, guys.